Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Celebrate God in this sacred space. Celebrate God in all places under heaven. Give praise for God's mighty deeds. Give praise for God's resurrection power. Praise God with a fanfare of trumpets. Praise God with a harp and a cello. Praise God with tambourines and dancing. Praise God with flutes and guitars. Praise God with cymbals and drums. Let everything with life and breath praise God. Please be seated. Now, I am going to make an addition here to the bulletin. What I am going to do, and this is the first of the three times that I intend to speak, that I want you to remember. I want you to take notes. There'll be a short test after the sermon. No one will be allowed to leave unless they can answer the questions that you should have the answers for if you listen carefully. Now the first thing I want to do is to direct your attention to a book that I have with me. Now this book contains a number of passages. And the first passage that I want to refer you to is Psalm 121. Now there's a Bible in every pew here. And Psalm 121 reads, I look to the mountains, where will my help come from? My help will come from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you fall. Your protector is always awake. The protector of Israel never dozes or sleeps. The Lord will guard you. He is by your side to protect you. The sun will not hurt you during the day nor the moon during the night. The Lord will protect you from all danger. He will keep you safe. He will protect you as you come and go, now and forever. Now this psalm is found in book five of the Psalms. It is part of a group of Psalms from 120 to 135, uh, 134, known as the Books of Ascent, that this psalm is written by a voyager, someone who is on a journey. We are all on that journey. What the psalms tell us is that on our journey through life, our destination is assured. 
that someone will accompany us on that journey, each and every one of us. And so, when you have time, look at the Psalms and what they tell us. Now, I want to call on Kathy McKay, who is going to share the reading from 1 Peter. Scripture is from 1 Peter, verses 1, 3 to 5. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Our responsive scripture reading this morning is Psalm 16, verses 1 to 11. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to be brought into the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Let us continue our response with the words Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
Our scripture reading is John 20, verses 19 to 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails on his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Thank you, Kathy. This is a very long reading from John's Gospel. My happy or unhappy task, depending on your point of view, is to say a few words about this very long passage. Now, when I got a call on Wednesday from Reverend John that asked me to be here this morning, I was somewhat concerned. But the two things that I've already alluded to earlier is what I did that I looked at the passage from the Psalms. The voyager, the traveler, someone on a journey. My help is in the Lord. Now that is the first thing that one looks to, is to God. 
Now, the second thing is when you read this passage, one of the things that I take a great deal of comfort in is that I look at Paul's letter to Timothy. And that's one of the passages of scripture that I have a sticky note on. Now you'll notice that as I showed the children, I'm going to be removing these stickers as I go along. Now, what, Second Timothy, it's chapter three, and it's verses 16 to 17. And what it says is that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instruction for right living so that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, lays out a roadmap of the four things that you can expect to find in Scripture. You can find teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instruction for right living. Now, one of the other passages that I looked at, and there are two of them actually, and again, they are in the Psalms. Because of course, if this book is inspired by God, and there is no God, this book is worthless. Now what does the Bible say about that? And it's in the Psalms. Surprisingly, it says it twice. It starts in Psalm 14. And it says, fools say to themselves, there is no God. It also repeats that same statement in Psalm 53. The two Psalms are almost identical. Psalm 53 says, fools say to themselves, there is no God. We know better. We know there is a God. And we look to his book for instruction. Now, one of the things that I'm now doing is taking out two more of my little stickums. This may be a long morning. I've got several of them. And the reason I'm referring to this book is because this is the Word of God. 
And if you happen to have a problem with what I'm saying, I don't expect to receive complaints. You can take it up with God. Now, this passage starts off with an indication that the disciples are in a room and they are locked in that room for fear of the Jews. The next thing that Jesus says when he appears is he says, peace be with you. That's one of the points that I've attempted to make is that John, who the book tells us, his book tells us that he saw himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He is pictured at the Last Supper sitting next to Christ because he believed that Jesus loved him. Now we know that Jesus loves us all without exception, that he loved John no more than he loves each one of us. Now, John's gospel is famous for what are called the Book of Signs, that you will see that that is the title of my message. And there it says, Jesus did many other signs. Now signs here is a word for miracle. Jesus did many other miracles. You don't do signs, you do miracles. And in some translations, that is what it says. Now, the term signs and its meaning of miracle is throughout scripture that Paul wrote to the Corinthians to rebuke them. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 24. And what it says is, for God in his wisdom made it impossible for people to know him by means of their own wisdom. Instead, by means of the so-called foolish message we preach, God decided to save those who believe. Jews want miracles for proof, and Greeks look for wisdom. As for us, we proclaim the crucified Christ, a message that is offensive to the Jews and nonsense to the Gentiles. 
but for those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles, the message is Christ, who is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For what seems to be God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and stronger than human strength. Now, John, in his good news, also speaks of this. And it is an exchange which is found in John chapter 6, 28 to 30. And there, John records, so they asked him, what can we do in order to do what God wants us to do? Jesus answered, what God wants you to do is to believe in the one he sent. They replied, what miracle will you perform so that we can see it and believe you? What will you do? They didn't believe this man. They didn't believe that he was from God. Now, the interesting thing about John's Gospel is the part where it says that now Jesus did many other signs. And if you look in the book which is in your pews, which I have here, you will see there is a heading. And this is found immediately prior to verse 30. And that heading is, it says, what's the purpose of this book? Now, that's a very strange thing to do, is to tell people at the end of the book what it's all about. People do that at the first. That's why I told you I would do three things. I would direct you to Scripture because you're on a journey. And that scripture tells you to seek God when you're on that journey. The second thing that I mentioned was looking at the book of instruction, what God says. Now we're looking at what John had to say. Now John, together with his brother James and his business partner, partners, Peter and Andrew, were fishermen. God gave John a job. Jesus came along and he said to him, follow me. 
John had no idea what he was getting into. He was a fisherman, but yet they all followed him immediately. Just think, when someday God calls you, just as Reverend John phoned me and said, Dick, you're doing the sermon on Wednesday morning. Pretty much good luck. Now, John was one of the few who followed Jesus, who did not pay for that with their lives. This church is St. Andrew's. It has the cross of St. Andrew's. Andrew paid with his life. He was crucified on a cross with an X. Peter paid with his life. He was crucified upside down because he did not feel that he was worthy to be crucified as his Lord was. Now, in the purpose which John tells you he is writing about, he tells you at verse 30, in his disciples' presence, Jesus performed many other miracles which are not written down in this book, but these have been written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and listen to these words and that through your faith in him you may have life. Now one of the most famous passages, or the most well-known, I should say, in all the Bible is found in John's Gospel, and that is John 3, chapter 3, verse 16. Most people know this particular passage. I'm sure almost all of you do. And that passage, you'll remember, used to see a man at football games holding up a sign, John 3.16. So what does John 3.16 say? What it says is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
That is the promise of God. Now, one of the other things that I want to refer you to in the Bible is something that is found in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. And there, what it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And God showed his love for us by sending his only Son into the world. so that we might have life through him. This is what love is. It is not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. Now, because John left the best for last, he said what the purpose was at the last. Now, what that usually does is when you find out what it's all about at the tail end, then you say, I think I need to go back to the start to read this again and listen to what powerful words John, this fisherman, who was inspired by God, had to say, the commencement of John's gospel is perhaps the most startling statement in all of Scripture. Listen to what he had to say. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. From the very beginning, the word was with God. Through him, God made all things. Not one thing in all creation was made without him. The word was the source of life, and this life brought light to people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has never put it out. Now, in John's Gospel, 
which also, as I have said, is known as the Book of Signs or Miracles. John selected seven miracles to speak of in his gospel. Some of them you will remember. He changed water into wine. He walked on water. He made a blind man see. He raised Lazarus from the dead. The seven signs all pointed to one thing. He was the Messiah. Now John's Gospel also has a number of startling statements. They are known as the I Am's. I am. And there are seven of those. And those are, he is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the door that if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, he is the vine. John, a humble fisherman, wrote a remarkable story of good news. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He expressed that love by writing about it. We have the benefit of what John saw and recorded for us. He was inspired by God. God had a plan. He has a plan for all of us. That plan is that we will be with him. This morning, one of the things that we did was we spoke the Lord's Prayer. Two things invariably happen in a Christian service. There is the reading from God's Word, and there is the prayer which Jesus taught us. Remarkably, in that prayer, we pray for everyone. Have you noticed that the prayer commences, Our Father? It's not Father, an individual thing. It's our Father. He is the Father of us all. Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Go to celebrate 
all that God has done as Christ breathes new life into you, sending you out with the spirit of forgiveness and faith for the life of the world. May you be filled with the grace and peace of the God who is and was and is to come, and with the spirit of Jesus Christ, God's faithful witness, who loves us and sets us free. Go now in peace.